And so this morning we come to our fourth and final sermon in 1 Corinthians 15 on the resurrection. It began on Easter. So we are in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 80. Hear now the eternal living word of God. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This is the word of the Lord. So the distinguished American general, Douglas MacArthur, once said that there's no substitute for victory. And victory is this act of defeating an enemy or an opponent in a battle or a game or some type of competition. And as Christians, we know that in his death and resurrection, Jesus is victorious. And his victory is over an enemy for all of us. Every human being, being descended from Adam, inherited this enemy. We're born under the oppression of sin and death. We inherited the adversary of Satan who wants to keep us enslaved to sin and death. And the sad part is, most people don't even know about this battle. Most people have no idea of their real enemy. But the enemies of sin, death, evil, Satan, are all too real. Paul wrote of this in his letter at the end of his letter to the Ephesians. He said, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so the victory of Christ's resurrection is a victory over all his and our enemies. It's a triumph over the battle that plagues humanity. We're born addicted to sinning, selfishly rebelling against our creator from our mother's womb. And only a perfectly righteous substitute on our behalf will do. And so in our passage this morning, we see three elements of victory in Christ's resurrection. The need for victory, the triumph 
of victory and the impact of victory. Our passage this morning follows Paul's explanation on our future resurrected bodies. There he lays out the differences in our resurrected bodies from our earthly bodies. And this difference comes from our earthly bodies being inherited from Adam. Therefore, our earthly bodies are perishable. They're prone to sickness, disease, and injury. They have dishonor and weakness due to sin and death that comes from Adam. But heavenly resurrected bodies are inherited in Christ. A heavenly glorified resurrected body is the inheritance of anyone united to Christ through faith in him. And so now Paul says in verse 50, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So flesh and blood means our physical bodies as they currently are. Our perishing, dying, illness and injury-ridden bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God as they are. They must be transformed. And this brings us our first element of victory in Christ's resurrection, our need for victory. Entrance into God's kingdom would be impossible in our current state. In our perishable, mortal state, we can't live in an imperishable, immortal existence. And so God must bring about, and he will bring about, a drastic change in our physical bodies. Now, as I mentioned before, there were some in the Corinthian church that were denying the future resurrection of believers. And this was based on the idea that our current physical bodies would be raised in the state that they're in now. And Paul begins here by saying that these people are right. They're right that perishing, decaying physical bodies cannot live in eternity as they are. Or as he puts it, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But they're wrong in saying that this means that there's no physical resurrection. Those denying the physical resurrection think that this settles the matter. Because our decaying natural bodies are not currently in a supernatural state, they lose sight of what is possible with the power of God. They understand our current situation correctly, our need for victory over death. But they fail to understand that nothing is impossible with God. And the need for a change in our mortal bodies is seen all throughout humanity, all throughout the culture. People look for ways not only to improve their health and longevity, but ultimately to cheat death. Our bodies will die. There's no getting away from it as much as people try to avoid it. And currently in the culture, the billionaire class in our world, Jeff Bezos and his uber-rich friends, they're actually extremely interested in using their enormous wealth to try and help humanity as a whole overcome death. If you read their interviews and books and media reports, they're actually trying to use medicine and technology to enable humans to live well beyond 100, 200, 300 years, maybe even cheat death altogether. But there are some things that money can't buy. The victory over death that we need can't be purchased. There's no amount of wealth that can buy eternal life. Science and technology can't win this victory for us. There's no amount of human intelligence or innovation that can get you eternal life. The victory 
must be won for our bodies and our souls. And it can only be won by God himself. Fortunately for us all, in his infinite grace, God did win this victory for us. Paul continues, in, in starting in verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall all be changed. And so the truth is, you're not left with the need for victory. But in Christ, the victory has already been won. And this is our second element of victory in Christ's resurrection. The triumph of his victory. Christ has won the victory over death. The victory that we need for our physical bodies. The full weight of victory that will be realized when he returns. And Paul tells us that the transformation from our earthly bodies to our heavenly bodies is a mystery. He says we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So even those who are still alive at the return of Christ, if they are believers, their earthly bodies will be changed into their heavenly, glorified, resurrected bodies. There's nothing we can do ourselves to change ourselves from our perishing bodies. It doesn't matter how athletic, strong, or healthy someone's body is, it will decline and decay over time. It will die. And It doesn't matter how rich and smart someone is. They can't buy a new body. They can't figure out a way to cheat death. Technology can't give you a new, imperishable, immortal body. But Christ is risen from the dead. He has triumphed over death. So everyone who has faith in him has new life in him. And everyone who has new life in him will be resurrected from the dead in an imperishable, eternal, resurrected body. And Paul says in verse 52 that this will happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. So there will be a sudden change, and the dead will be raised, and even those who are in Christ that are alive will get a new resurrected body. Now there are seven, several places in Scripture that refer to this trumpet for the return of Christ. There's even a few places in the Old Testament that give the trumpet as a sign of the day of the Lord. Uh, Paul mentions it in 1 Thessalonians 4. He said, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Jesus himself taught of this in Matthew 24. He said, Upon his return, he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect. And in this passage, when Christ returns, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall all be changed. Upon the return of Christ, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised in their new, imperishable, resurrected bodies. There will be a change in our bodies. The victory over death will be rewarded to all believers in Christ. And so Paul continues this explanation. He says in verse 53, For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. At the instant of transformation, 
the victory won by Christ will be given to you. Your current perishable body will put on the imperishable. Your body and soul that is corrupted by sin, but Christ triumphed over sin. Our perishing bodies will die, but upon the return of Christ, upon the sound of the trumpet, they'll be converted into bodies that will never get sick. Bodies that are incapable of dying. And starting in verse 54, when this happens, Paul says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, when the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass a saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? Victory, O death, where is your sting? So Paul here is claiming that the transformation of all believers in Christ into their imperishable, eternal, resurrected bodies is actually the fulfillment of two Old Testament passages, two Old Testament prophecies. The first is, death is swallowed up in victory. And this is alluding to Isaiah 25, verse 8. Death is a powerful enemy. The decay of the human body is inevitable. It's something no one looks forward to. And the rich and the powerful, as much as they try, even they can't avoid it. And the inevitability of death and decay has plagued humanity since the fall of Adam. And from a human perspective, from our own perspective, this enemy is insurmountable. But in Christ, God swallowed up death in victory. So when the dead are resurrected, there will be no more death. There will be no more traces of death, no more sickness, no more illness, no more dying. Death will be an afterthought. The resurrection of the dead is the final nail in the coffin of death itself. The glorified, eternal, immortal, resurrected body of believers removes the power of death that looms over humanity from birth. The final victory of death requires this resurrection of the dead. And the resurrection is a necessary outcome of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a necessary outcome of Christ's triumphant victory. Then in verse 55, Paul quotes from, actually from Hosea 13, verse 14, when he said, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Now in the original text, Hosea, he was actually summoning death as a judgment against the Ephraimites. But here, Paul quotes these two rhetorical questions to taunt death. Death's power and death's sting are rendered powerless in the face of God's power, in the face of God's act of mercy and forgiveness in Christ. Death reigned victorious over the whole earth until Christ triumphantly rose from the dead. And his victory will reach its completion, its culmination upon the future resurrection of the dead. When the body of everyone united to Christ will be transformed into their glorified, imperishable body, incapable of death. Paul then gives a little commentary on these quotes. In verse 56 he says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Death is the result of sin. And the presence of sin is an enemy of God. And it's an enemy of humanity because it causes death. And it's the law that reinforces the power of sin and death over humanity. 
Now, the law is holy. The law is good. But in the context of human fallenness and bondage to sin, it's the law that brings death. The law held humanity under the power of sin and death until the work of Christ came to free us all from it. Verse 57 says, But thanks to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory over death only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, Tim preached on God healing some of his people. We know many of us struggle with health issues. Many of your loved ones may have health issues. And he mentioned how even modern medicine, with modern medicine, health problems are still extremely prevalent. But there's much we don't know about God's healing. And we don't know why he chooses to heal some and not others. But we do know for sure that not only is victory over death won through Jesus Christ, but also victory over all the things related to death. You can know for sure that through faith in Jesus Christ, you will be resurrected in a body that is free from all the effects of sin and death. You can know for sure That anyone who has faith in Jesus Christ, even those that have died, even those that are sick and dying, will have a glorious, eternal, imperishable body in the resurrection. There will be no more sickness or disease or injury or aging. You can know for sure that God is making all things right in Jesus Christ. And that includes the defeat of death itself. You can know that the victory is already secured because Jesus took on flesh and blood. He took on an earthly body. The eternal Son of God took on a perishing body. The immortal creator of all things took on a mortal body and he died a human death. And in doing so, he took the sting of death upon himself so that through faith in him, you can enjoy the spoils of his victory. Through faith in him, you can live in a new body, free from all that comes with your earthly, perishing body. And there's nothing you can do to win this victory. It's all by the grace of God, through Jesus Christ. But Jesus has already won this victory on your behalf. Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly, something you could never do. And he died the death you deserve. And in doing so, he defeated death. And now you can inherit the kingdom of God. You can live in this glory, in your imperishable, immortal, heavenly body. All because the king of kings took on human flesh and died for you. But the victory over death is not only something that gives us hope for the future, but it also has implications for us today. In verse 58, Paul says, Therefore, My beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Because Christ has won a victory over sin and death on your behalf, because you get to share in this victory through faith in him, and enjoy all the benefits of the kingdom of God that he deserves, therefore, as a consequence of that, My beloved brothers and sisters, there are things you should be doing in your life. 
And this is a third element of Christ's resurrection or victory in Christ's resurrection. The impact of victory. The victory of Christ has an impact on your life now. Paul says, therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Your reaction to the victory being won on your behalf isn't to sit back and do nothing. It isn't to say thanks and continue to live for yourself and live however you want. Paul appeals to the Corinthian church and to all believers, to you and I, to focus your life on doing the Lord's work. Always abounding in his work. This means giving your life over to God. It's not a half-hearted effort. Glory beyond your wildest imagination awaits you. So you can remain steadfast, immovable in your dedication, in your service on behalf of Jesus Christ. Because he's the one who gave up his own life for you. And this means your focus is on him. Your focus of your life is what brings him glory. What is best for his kingdom. Because it's in the kingdom of God that your future inheritance lies. There's no suffering you could go through. There's no amount of sacrifice that you could give that even compares to what awaits you in glory. And this is your assurance. That because Christ rose from the dead through faith in him, you will be raised. And that any sacrifice you make for Christ and his kingdom won't be in vain. Because Christ has risen from the dead, you too will rise from the dead. Therefore, you should remain unwavering in your commitment to him, to the truth of the gospel, to your work for the gospel. No matter what cost in your life, you can count on the ultimate triumph of all God's people in the future. Because death will ultimately be defeated. You don't need to fear death. You don't need a group of billionaires to use their fortune as a way to figure out how to cheat death. Now we'll always grieve the loss of loved ones. And there certainly is anxiety that comes from the uncertainty and unknown factors surrounding our own death. But you'll always have hope. A real, true, certain hope. The hope that is the guarantee that the future plans and purposes of God will guaranteed come about. And this includes the resurrection of all believers. You, your loved ones, anyone who possesses faith in Jesus Christ will be raised in glory. It will be raised into an imperishable, immortal body, free from the pains of sin and death and everything that comes with them. And so you can serve the Lord with a spirit of joy, with a message of hope even in the face of suffering, sickness, and death. As Paul says, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Our resurrection hope can inspire you in your work for the Lord. Let it re-energize you in doing his work because Christ has won the victory. And through faith in him, you can enjoy the spoils of his victory. And so I want to ask you all, do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Do you have the saving grace of God, having received and rested upon him alone for your salvation? Are you living with a resurrected life? The life of one who has been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, living for him and his kingdom.
Because it's only in Jesus Christ that the dead are raised. It's only in Jesus Christ that you will be raised in glory and not in judgment. It's only in Jesus that you are acquitted in the final judgment and you'll be perfectly blessed to the full enjoyment of God for all eternity. Jesus lived the life you could never live, fulfilling the law in perfect obedience on behalf of those who trust in him. And he died the death you deserve, taking the sting of death in your place so that you can enjoy the imperishable, immortal, resurrected existence to all eternity. In Jesus Christ, you have everything. Without him, you have nothing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you to praise you as our Lord and our God. We thank you for all the blessings you have given us in Christ. We bless you for the future hope of our resurrection, knowing as we struggle in this current world of sin and death, with the remnants of sin and death still in our bodies, we hold on to the guarantee of our resurrection that was sealed and secured in the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. Give us the grace to live out our lives for your kingdom. May your spirit be with us, working in us, that we may be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in your work, that we may know that our work will never be in vain because of all you have given us and all you have done and all you have promised us in your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose glorious name we pray. Amen.